0: Hi, this is Pastor Ricky Temple. I'm glad you're with us today. We're going to take you right into the Word of God, stretch your life, show you something that will hopefully help you become a better person. It's going to be amazing. So stay right with us and watch your life change as we study God's Word together. Open your Bible, Daniel chapter 1, verse 5. Today we continue our study where I'm talking about how do you build a better foundation? If you want to cut a new path in your life, there are certain things you have to do. Nobody can do it for you. This is your life. It's in your hand, and it's up to you. It's really nice to have people help you, but sometimes it's your decision. I've been saying to you for the last uh, several couple of weeks, rather, that sometimes when you're building, you're not building in an environment that's peaceful. Sometimes you're in a hostile environment. the book of Daniel, where we are, it's a hostile environment. People oftentimes forget that these, these guys are not free. They are slaves. They're basically controlled and governed by Nebuchadnezzar. And he's an interesting leader, this guy, and we'll talk about him in a minute. But he has um, captured these four guys we're studying, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I only use those names because those are the names you know them by. They were four guys who came into a new country, and it was antagonistic it was aggressive combative confrontational it was horribly difficult imagine somebody walking up to you and saying what's your name and then they changed your name they told you what to eat you'll see that today they told you you no longer could live where you live they packed you up and moved you to a new city everything changed you left your family your cousins your friends you had no right to no power now In the world we live in today, there are people who experience that. You just haven't experienced that. But it's a truly tragically difficult, hostile environment. And here's what most Christians think. God can only bless you in a peaceful environment. But Jesus said, I didn't come to bring unity. I came to bring division. Mother against father, father against mother. When you really make certain decisions, and I'm not saying I hope your family divides, but Jesus said this. He said, hey, it's not going to be okay and easy. And this is an example. Most people, when they study the book of Daniel, they look at Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As if when Daniel got out of the lion's den, he went and traveled the world and talked about it. No, he didn't. He went back to his job. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they got out of the fire and furnace, they had to go back to work. They had a testimony, but they couldn't leave. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes in life, you don't get to live an easy life. You don't get to have it easy. It's not always peaceful. We have created a Christian brand. One more time. We've created a Christian brand that's anti-difficulty. We want peace at all costs. No challenges, no resistance. We want everything to be fine. And we get mad with God when it's not. We act like he owes us an apology. You married somebody and it's not peaceful. You know marriage can be one of the most hostile places to be in the world. It could be hostile, man. You come in the house, chilly, free, freezer, cold. <laughs> not talking, not saying anything, just walking around grumpy with your saved self. You just need to pray and ask <laughs> God for forgiveness. What kind of Christian are you walking around like that? Stop all that. Well, you don't know what they did. I didn't ask you that. I, told you, this is how I know it's hostile. Sometimes you get in the bed next to somebody that's hostile. There'll be firing missiles across the bed. Pew! <laughs> Pew! The mortar rounds be flying over there. You know, I heard you today. Pew! Yeah, your mama. Okay, anyway. But <laughs> it's hostile. It can be so hostile. It's unbelievable. Your work environment can be. Religious environments can be. Business partnerships. You can go into business with somebody. And and, and things just turn hostile. I was telling one pastor the other day, I said, yeah, he called me. Pastors call me for counseling all the time. And I just laughed because one called me, and the deacons just like to set him on fire and watch him burn. <laughs> <laughs> just set him on fire. Just say something crazy to him. Say something to him. One, one church, I never forget, it's so hilarious. One church, the pastors, back when you used to pay for each phone call, the church would, every month, they get the phone bill and sit the pastor's wife down, and you have to go through each call and verify that it was church-related, or she had, they had to pay that out of his pastor's salary. Oh, yes, they did. I of to tell you what state, but I'm not going to do it because you, you would never know these folks. But it was amazing. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Hostile environment. And, and most of us don't know how to operate in that. So what I want to show you is how these people operated in a hostile environment and how they won. In the end, they win. Now, they don't get free. They don't, they, don't, they don't get to be free the way we would think of freedom. But God can take a bad circumstance and make it amazing. Come on, give me an amen to that. I want to start off by, first of all, pointing out there are three main things I'm going to point out to you today. If you're going to build a better foundation, you need to be well-trained. Can you say well-trained? well-trained. Second thing you need to do is you've got, you got to have strong conviction. Come on, say have strong convictions. Have strong convictions. And third thing you need is you've got to have respect for leadership. Come on. Leadership. If you're going to build, <coughs> cut a new path for your life, Training is a part of it. And if you're anti-training, you trained all you're going to train. You're not willing to be tested. If you're not willing to be critiqued, if you're not willing to be pushed, then you're done. Let's just settle that. You're toast. You're a teacher who won't write new lesson plans. You using the same ones you used 10 years ago. Same textbook, same everything. Secondly, if you want to be a person who builds a better foundation for your life, you've got to establish what your convictions are. What are your absolutes? I absolutely will not do what? To get a man. <laughs> I'll be celibate first. Some of you say, oh, I don't know. wait, wait. What that mean, Pastor Yeah, look that word up. I want you to think about that for a second. What are your absolutes? What won't you do to get a woman? What won't you do? You absolutely will not. God, I will not sit there. I will not do that. I'll throw my TV away first. I will not sit there and watch porno. I'll throw my TV, my phone. I'll get rid of my tablet. I'll walk around. I'm not doing I, Father, in Jesus' name. Some of you said, "No, I, I can't get rid of my phone now, Pastor. Ray. I can't get rid of my tablet. I can't." But how far will you go? Well, are your absolutes? Absolutes. What will you not do? What will you not do? What will I not do? What's the, what, what do you think the pastor shouldn't do? Hey, let's talk about that. What's this some absolutes the pastor should not? Come on, talk to me. What should be my absolutes? Come on, give me a job description. Talk to me. I should absolutely not what. Cheat on my wife. I heard that way in the back of the church. There you go. I heard that. Don't cheat on your wife. Amen. Okay. What else should I not, not absolutely not do? I'm going huh? Curse? I can't say a bad word. <laughs> I can't say one in my head. I can't say it in my. <laughs> I can't say one. What else? Can I can absolutely not do. Steal. Steal. Huh? What else? Double life. Double life. I can't. I can't live. A, now y'all can live a double. I can't live a double life. I gotta have one life. One life. Okay, what else? I'm sorry, what else? What? Adultery. Adultery, yeah, okay, we got that one. They got that covered. They, that's two on the adultery part, Lord Jesus. Okay, we are absolutely clear about that. Isn't it amazing how y'all got some clear absolutes for me? Boundaries for me? And child support. I, I ain't got no child support. Let's <laughs> hear hey, No, okay, that's in the Time out for the... <laughs> All right, for you. For the record, there ain't no child support needed. Just to be clear, okay? There's two children, Ricky and Christina, and they're both too old now—thirty-six and thirty-one. I better get back to the Bible, Amen. Praise God! I better get back up here and preach the message. <laughs> Woo, Lordy! Woo. Moving on. Now, a person. A person. That, that wants to understand how God works. If you look in, in the book of Daniel chapter 1, there's this amazing process these guys are going through. Because now they're enslaved. Jeremiah told them. He said, listen guys, if you don't, you don't do right, if you don't listen, then you're going into slavery. And that's what happened. The whole nation was. And, and now that they're in slavery, they have to do. The second thing I talked about was they have to learn. So there were four things I said. Really? Really? Say listen. Yes. Come on. Learn. Train, train, and focus. In this series, I promised you four things. The first sermon I talked about listening and how they did not listen as a nation. That's how they got here. A lot of times when we look at where we are, it was it's tied to our lack of listening. We just didn't listen. Right now, it's in my head. I'm telling you, as a loud, loud drumbeat, you are 60 years old. You need to stay in shape. You need to do some jump jacks. You need to do something, dude. You need to keep moving, son. You are on this floor. I'm four days this week. Come on, say amen. Four days I worked out. Come on. Come on. No, no. Clap better than that. Come on. Come on. You know why you can't clap when you didn't do nothing. Come on. Amen. Come on. you shame. I got you shame. I got your shame a little bit. But four, four days. I'm telling you, here's what's important. Here's what's important. I understand that I need to be serious because I'm headed to them 70s. And oh, boy. If you get there and you ain't done nothing, you're going to pay. Everything's going to hurt. Your toenails and everything else going to hurt. So I'm, I said, Lord, ain't going to have no money. Broke, tired, you know, I don't, uh-uh, no, no, uh-uh, no, I'm, not, I'm, I'm fighting now. This is the time to fight. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. So I'm looking down the road. So, so first of all, I got to listen. Everybody said listen. listen. And Then secondly, you got to learn. You can't just listen. You got you to change. You have to learn, learn, learn how to manage. And when you look at these guys, they learn. They were learners. And then lastly today, we're talking about the importance of being a trained person. Now, let me show you how they trained them, and next week we'll talk about focus. Okay, look at this, chapter 5, 1, verse 5, Daniel. The king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies. This is how the king trained them. Watch this now. Who appointed the delicacies? Everybody say the king. The king. <laughs> now, what's really fascinating, I, I didn't think about this before I did this study, Nebuchadnezzar was a very hands-on person. Now, you had to be, if you were the king and you write not menus, Think about that. Story. He write out menus. He says, and the king appointed for them a daily provision. The king sat down and said, okay, I want them to eat bananas. And the king said, I want them to eat some octopus. And the king said, the king laid out a menu. Now, I want to understand. Tell me something you absolutely hate eating. What, do you, what don't you like? What don't you like? To, broccoli. You can't stand broccoli. Don't put it on your plate. What, what, the, what don't you like? What don't you cook carrots? Now, imagine if I was in charge and you eating cooked carrots now and you eating broccoli. And that's the law of the land. Oh, I'm, I'm chopping your head off. Imagine, imagine how awful that would be. So the king sits down. He writes, all right, broccoli for everybody, carrots. You say raw, do you say cooked? Cooked carrots. That's right, with butter on top. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is the kind of stuff Nebuchadnezzar came up with. So this guy's writing out menus. and he, he, So he calls in the, the guy, Aspenaz, and he says, okay, look, um, I've captured all these slaves. And here's what I want to happen. I want them to eat these foods. And, and so the guy's paying attention because he knows he's, you know, Nebuchadnezzar is serious. So watch what happens. He tells them what to eat, changes their name, moves them to another place. And here's what he said in verse 5 The king appointed for them a daily provision. How often did they have to eat carrots? Daily. daily. How often did they have to eat broccoli? Daily. 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 Think about that now. Daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank. And I want everybody to drink some wine every day. Now, you know, for some people, that's a bad idea. But <laughs> the king said, see, people tell me, why, why don't you drink? I don't drink because I'll probably like it. I told you all that. I'll be a wine builder, so that's why I better drink water. Amen. In my family history, they didn't need to drink. Drink didn't help anybody in my family. But this guy, if I was in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom and he said, drink wine, I'd have to drink wine. He said, broccoli, carrots, wine, every day. How often did you have to drink it? Every day. And some of you like that. Some of you say, I need to move there, right? He says, and this will go on for how many years? Three years of training for them. Three years. Three years of carrots. Three years of broccoli. Three years of wine. Three years. Whatever he said, there was no argument. He wrote the menu. Nobody argued about it. If you didn't like it, you grew to like it. Because if you didn't like it, you might end up being a, a, a lunch for a lion. So because you didn't want to become a lunch for a lion, you decided to eat broccoli and carrots. You asked for God to give you, uh, and she's and, and over here saying, oh, God, I hate this part of the sermon. <laughs> but, but, but that's what it was like. So watch what happens. He says, so that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. So, in other words, this is going to last for three years, but this will come to an end. And I want you to notice the three, four things he says here. They were, they were in a daily training program. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. They were in a daily training program every single day. They were following a daily diet. They were training daily for three years, and they had to complete the training at a certain time in verse 5. So this was not going to last forever. Now, what's interesting is in verse 8, Daniel makes, uh, Daniel makes a decision. Here's what he said. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He said, you know, I, I just can't eat broccoli. Um, I just can't eat carrots. Even though he could in his culture. He could. As a matter of fact, he liked broccoli. He liked carrots. But, but whatever it was that the king said they had to eat, pork or whatever it was, he said, no, man, I, I, I can't eat that. Now, now, but I want you to watch this. Watch how he, in this hostile environment, swims through the differences. Now, some people would just be ghetto and get themselves hurt. Not Daniel. He's smart. Sometimes you need to be smarter. You may disagree with the boss, but it probably isn't in your best interest to join in the gossip. And you want to be promoted. This is a guy who understands, okay, um, I need to do something here and uh, I, I, need to, I need to understand that Nebuchadnezzar, hear this carefully now, he's trying to build a foundation, foundation that he believes in. Remember, Daniel and the guys are over here building a foundation, they're trying to survive, they're in a new beginning, they have a new beginning, they're trying to survive this new world. So they're building a foundation. They're in a different place. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. They're in a different place, which means they're in a disadvantaged place. Nebuchadnezzar's in charge. He's in the advantage place. Nebuchadnezzar is building a foundation, new nation, and he's saying what he wants in it. So everybody's building, but we have advantaged and disadvantaged. Watch how the disadvantaged people manage it. That's what I want you to see. You're on a job. You have no power. They can fire you. In this state tomorrow if they wanted to. So that being true, you are not in charge. You can't go in there and act like you're in charge. You need to pause for a minute like Daniel did. Even though in his heart he decided, I don't want to do that. But watch what he does. The Bible says in verse, um, verse 8, he requested, I put in bold prints for you, of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. So Daniel had won the guy over. Now I love this because notice how he, he handles his work. They like him. You know, you might be right, but you need to be liked. Some of you don't care about being liked. You come in with your nose up and your attitude on, and you these dumb people, they need to listen to what I say. That's why this company's going down because of me. Look. You, you, the company was there before you came, and they'll be there when you're gone. I'm giving some good advice. Come on, talk to me now. Amen. If you listen to me, come on, okay, all right, amen. They're gonna, that's five people. Come on, you know I'm telling the truth now. Come on. And, I, I mean, I just think it's important for you to understand that. I think you, sometimes our attitudes are so amazing, so amazing. You know, you need, need somebody to kind of just settle down for a second, settle down. So, so and by, be clear, you may be right. Daniel was right for him, but he's not in the position in this hostile environment where he can demand, so he requested. He asked, <clears throat> have you ever asked? Sometimes you should just ask. You know, I'll <clears throat> show you something real quick for a sec. You ever have anybody to just come to your house and just go get something without asking? Yeah. Oh, yeah, huh? That's good. <laughs> Open your refrigerator refrigerator up, didn't ask you anything. You don't mind having water. You just say, could you please ask? So here's this guy. He's in charge. And Daniel decides to just, hey, can we talk for a minute? I I don't want to eat the broccoli and carrot. Can we just talk for a minute? And really, he he, he was a vegetarian, so he would have liked those things. That would have been fine for him. But I like the fact that he requested it. Sometimes it's not what you want, it's how you act. How you act. And then, I love the fact that he, he laid a foundation. He built a relationship. My wife says, I make friends all the time. It's, it's amazing what you can get done. It's amazing how your response can be uh, just, just phenomenal. I, One time I had an airline ticket that cost a lot of money that I did not, um, I forgot that I had to use by a certain date. And uh, it was so much money, I just knew God didn't want me (laughs) to (laughs) lose it. It was, was, oh, yes, it was, oh, God. It was one of them them foreign tickets, you know. And um, so I called the airline and I I said, you know, I have made a huge mistake. I have been a horrible client. And I just need somebody to help me. And I said, could you do me a favor? Could you connect me with somebody? The ticket ran out, and I told them when. And I just, I, I got, I don't know what happened in my mind. And she said, well, hold on, sir. And they connected me to the main office. And I had to wait, and they got me. I had to go through three or four different folks. And when they got there, they said, to her, well, Mr. Temple, we really don't do this. But since you've been so nice can you buy the ticket right now? I said, oh, absolutely. I can tell you a place I'm going right now. I can buy the whole... Where are we going, baby? Come here, come here. We're buying a ticket right this second. They're going to give me the money back. Praise God. They did too. Oh, thankful. And in that, in that moment, I, I just think, sometimes it's how you do it. It's how you do it. You go in there with your Bible and your Jesus and you're jerking and all that, scaring everybody. <laughs> Man, they hate to see you come with your saved self. You're just, so, just so Christian. So anointed. So prophet, prophetic and all that. Scare everybody. Everybody knows I'm scared of you. All right. I'm, 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 all right. Let's move on. Move on. Here, here's, here's what I, I think is important Romans 12 and 3 says this. Okay. Think. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But show respect. Here's what happened in in verse 10 of Daniel chapter 1. The chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear, I fear my lord the king who has appointed me, appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are young your age rather? Then you would endanger my my head. Here here's what he says. Uh, hey, look, I like you, Daddy, but he killed me too. <laughs> Do you care about the other side? Are are you in this environment? Are you? a Republican doesn't care about the Democratic issues or Democrat doesn't care about the Republican issues. You don't care about anybody's issue. You only care about black folk or white folk or Asian folks or men, you don't care about women. Women, you don't care about men. Do you care about the other issue? Can you for a moment, okay, we know your issue, but you're not a farmer, but do you care about the poor farmer up in Georgia? Do you care about him at all? You want to buy his food, but do you care about him? you want to go to the grocery store and get his food, but do you care about the company you work for and that they're trying to make a profit, that that's not an evil thing? It's all about profit. Well, how are they going to pay you? See, if you've never, if you've never had to meet a payroll, mm, 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 there's nothing like payroll when you're, the, when you're doing the paying. When you're on the other side of the payroll and you're getting a check, that's one thing. When you're writing the checks, See, people used to be impressed with Michael Jordan. I said, no, I want to be the guy writing Michael Jordan's check. That's the guy I want to be. The power is in the payroll guy. The guy who is the person that can pay you $40 million a year. That's the dude you want to know. And then pay a whole bunch of other people millions too. Sometimes you don't understand what it's like to have to make a payroll. And so this guy says, hey, man, you know. I like you, Daniel, but hey, you guys are great. You three guys, you know what I'm saying? We're all close, but uh, my head is on the line. So what does Daniel do? First of all, he showed respect by asking, his attitude, watch that, in this household environment. Secondly, watch, watch, he's now going to show concern, and he's going to offer him a fair option. See, if you're reasonable, you'll be surprised what can happen for you. Sometimes you're not being reasonable. You're asking God to bless you, but you, you want a raise that's not reasonable. There's no strategic value in them giving you that much money. You can't earn that back for them. They give you another however many thousands you want, but why should they? What, what have you brought to the company to show value? What, what, why? Explain. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's amazing how we struggle with reality. Here's my vision. Here's my view. I need to be so valuable that you want me to be your pastor. That's what I think. You should say, oh, please don't leave. You should, you should ask me to play stay. But if I'm no good, then y'all should get rid of me, but don't get rid of me. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I tell pastors that. I say, why should you? Why should they pay you that? Why should they do that for you? Tell me what it was like when you came Tell me what it's like, $22,000 when I came. So $50 million, 60, about close to $50 million later. Okay, well, maybe I'm worth something. Maybe if you, if you calculate it out and say, well, that, that's, okay, that makes sense. It, it doesn't make sense for you to assume. These guys said, listen, I need a fair, 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 fair equation here. I need to look at this. Watch what he says. This is amazing. He's so fair. He's so fair. Please test your servant, verse 12, for 10 days. How many days? And give them, give us vegetables to eat. There you go. Carrots. <laughs> and, broccoli. and broccoli. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> and water to drink. Then let our appearances be examined before you until the appearances of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. As you see fit, so deal with your servants. They demonstrated good results. Watch this, verse 15. At the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men. So they looked great. Wow. They were able to perform and deliver a higher quality. God gave them, look at verse uh, 17, God gave them knowledge and skill and literature and wisdom and Daniel had understanding, so these were guys who weren't just looking good. They were smart. They were educated. They learned in these three years. They studied. They were. I mean, this. They, look, I love this. They gave God something to work with. There's something about understanding the power of being willing to be trained and to be disciplined. That's why verse 17 happened. Look what it said. They impressed the king. I'm sorry, verse 18. It said, at the end of the days, when the king had said they should be brought into the chief, uh, brought, brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before who? Now, I want you to see this. Watch this now. These were guys who were brought in one by one to stand before Nebuchadnezzar. Hands on. He did the interviews himself. The Bible said, then the king interviewed them. So hi there, Daniel. How are you? You can see him looking him up and down. Stand up there, son. Spin around a little bit. All right? Tell me about yourself. Tell me about your dreams. Talk to me. Answer, I mean, he interviewed Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. He interviewed everybody. This is the moment. This is the moment of truth. This is where everything matters. There's something about being clear that in this moment, you're training. So if God would, if you were to be interviewed, if you were to stand, what would they see? What would, what would the results be? This is where it matters. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes you know when I'm praying and I'm asking God for things, if, if the question is, have I trained for what I'm asking for? Am I ready for the moment? Am I ready for this interview? Am I ready for this day in the sun? Am I ready to stand there and, and have to face this moment? And the Bible says, verse, uh, <clears throat> and verse uh, it said, but therefore they served before the king. And verse 20 says, in, in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them to be how many times? Ten times better than all the magicians and all the astrologers who were in his realm. And, and I want you to see this. Daniel then continues to serve all the way to the next king takes over. His name is Cyrus. Let's down the road. We'll say that later. But notice with me: this is a guy who now has risen. If you were to be examined, if you were to be interviewed, what would you look like? What would you be? What, what, what would there be enough work? Did you did you put the time in? Did you invest enough to give God something to work with? If God were to interview our church, what would He say about us? About our joint commitment? What would He say? What would he say about us? There's a series I'm working on. I'm telling you, it's been all over me. And I almost want to do it again today, but I can't I let you go. But this thing, man, I'm telling you, there's a word burning in my soul. It's, it's a thought that I had the other day. that just won't go away. And it goes something like this. I don't know that I believe you really love God for real. I have a series on covenants coming. If you're going to build a better covenant. If you're going to cut a new path, you've got to learn how to build better covenants. Would you say that um, your husband, your mate loved you if they didn't call you but once a week? If they didn't give you any money? If they threw you a dime here, a dollar there and told you to be happy? Would you think they loved you if if they only called you when they needed help and they were in trouble? Would you say that they loved you? Here's what my argument is. I don't think we love him. I don't think we love God. I was listening to the songs and worship. I said, I wonder, is that true? That's what I was saying in my head. I wonder, I wonder, is that really true for you? I wonder, would you, you, if someone loved you the way you love God, treated you the way you treat God, think about him the way you think about him. You haven't picked up the Bible all week. You haven't thought about him all week. You watch more TV. I was on Facebook the other day, and I was on there for 30 minutes before I knew it. I said, ah, Jesus' name, stop it, stop it, stop it. Before you know it, you're on there three hours, but you can't pray for 30 minutes. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. But when you're in trouble, you got words for God and what God ought to do and how the world should be. But you haven't given your money to feed any hungry people. You haven't done anything. You eat all your food and you're happy with your life, but you complain about everything. I'm just trying to say, if you really loved him, if you really loved him, if you really care about him, what would you do differently? I just find myself, and I'm done for the day. I I find myself praying, Lord, help me in Jesus' name. Help me, God, see myself. Father, train me. Redirect my mind. Redirect my heart. Lift my spirit to another place. I may be in a hostile environment, but the question is, do I love you in that hostile environment? Daniel was a praying man in this hostile environment. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were praying. Man, they—they didn't—they didn't allow the hostile environment to take away their love for God. They, might not have been fair. They didn't put the—they didn't do anything to be in that position. The nation, the people around them rebelled, but they were obedient. But they got caught up in it because it's—it's it's family. Sometimes, Lord, we've done all we can, but we're in a family that's hostile. We—we we got siblings that want to argue and fight all the time. We. Give us wisdom to manage through those crises. I pray, God, that you would break yokes in the hearts of your people. Free them in Jesus' name. Some of them, oh God, they're like Daniel, trying to negotiate. they purposed in their heart not to defile themselves, but they're surrounded by people who they have to deal with. And they don't really know what to do. But God, I speak wisdom over them in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that the yokes will be broken. I pray, Father, for people today who, are, who feel confused because they're trying their best. They feel a little bit lost in their life, but they're trying their best. They're getting cussed out on the job. They're getting told off in ways that are unfair. But, oh, God, you're the God who can deliver. Just like you train those men to rise above their peers. They rose above all the astrologers. I, I pray in Jesus' name they're going to rise in this church in Jesus' name. Those who are watching will rise. Those, our friends and those who are listening will rise above their circumstances. I want you to do me a favor. Put your stuff down. Stand up on your feet. We're about to go home. Stand up on your feet. Father, we thank you. We praise you today. Hostile environments will not dominate us. We will not be controlled by fear. We will not allow people who say mean things to stop. Sometimes, Lord God, we don't have control, but you do. So in the midst of that difficult moment, you gave Daniel favor. And so, God, I speak that over the lives of your people. On these difficult jobs, you're going to give them favor. In these difficult business decisions, you're going to give them favor. They're going to become wiser. They're going to become more reasonable. They're going to make reasonable offers. They're going to care about the other side. When they're doing the business deal, they gotta care about the people they're doing business with. They can't it can't be lose-lose. It's gotta be win-win. They're gonna find deals and put things together that's fair and honest. And I pray God that clients will come back over and over and over again. I pray God for the parents who need to care about what the children feel. And the children need to care about what the parents feel. Lord, I, I just speak a spirit of fairness. And I pray that they'll find the strength to manage hostile moments in Jesus' name. Look look at me. I I did say one brief thing. Somebody touched me so last week with this sermon. They, They said to me, I'm working in a very hostile environment. And they came to me and they brought the sermon notes and they touched me when they said to me, "I'm trying to do better, but everybody on my job doesn't like me." And they gave re- reasons why, and I was so touched by their thoughts. Some of you are there right now. How many of you feel that you're working in some, under some hostile circumstances? Raise your hand. Raise your hand, you're working on some hostile, you got some challenges. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for those who are in hostile circumstances on their job and their families, healing to their hearts today, strength and confidence to their faith, and we give you praise. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, after hearing today's message, I I, I, I realize that I need I need God to, to help me in my life. My life, I've been hostile towards God. What you said was so true, I I only call him when I need him. I'm not really acting like I love him, and he could he could perceive by my actions that I'm really not interested in him. Because if I treated somebody on the planet Earth the way I treat God, I would think they would think I wouldn't like them. So I want to I want to start over again. So, Pastor, I want you to pray for me today that when I leave here or when I leave watching this 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 moment, that my life will be changed. So would you pray for me to help me start a new walk walk with God? If that's you and you said, Pastor, I'm not giving my life to Christ. After hearing you today, I get it. I want you to pray for me. I want you to raise your hand. I want to go and pray for. Who said, pray pray for me, Pastor? I want to start a walk with God today. I want I want to start, I see you, anybody else saying, pray for me, Pastor. I know I see you anybody else saying, pray for me, Pastor. I really need to start a new walk with God. Anybody else? Anybody else I'm praying for right now? Let's all lift our hands. Father, we lift our hands and we pray with them and we believe that this is the beginning of a new life for them. We give you all the praise and all the glory for the difference you make. We thank you for the hand of God upon their lives, both here and at home, wherever they're watching. We pray this will be the beginning, Lord God, of a moment when they say, God, I get it. I realize that I need you in my life and you don't need to be somebody I call when I'm in trouble. But right now, I surrender my life to you. I bring who I am to you, strengths, weaknesses. I bring it all to you and I surrender it. And I thank you for forgiving me and giving me a brand new start. Some of us, Lord God, in this room raised our hands and some of us raised our hearts. Some of us said, oh God, I, he's right. I didn't raise my hand, but I raised my heart right now and I trust you with my life in the name of Jesus. And everyone say, amen. Well, praise God. Did you learn something today that helped you today? I hope it did. Thank you so much for coming out. I pray you've been stressed by today's word. I pray it brought something to your life that will make you better. I want to encourage you to stay with us in studies in the future and allow us to help you grow in your walk with God. We'll see you next time right here with me, Pastor Rick. God bless.